My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. This is America. Former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. It is my greatest honor and privilege to have been your president. We will be back in some form. We are still deeply divided. Public health experts warned this was coming unless more was done. And here we are now. Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely. Never before in American history has there been an uprising like this. Of the 75 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, I don't know how many today are feeling, dear God, what was I thinking? But I would wager a lot more are thinking, let's carry on this fight. Character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. The 21st century is going to be the American century. Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. Israel is appearing before the International Court of Justice in a case that could determine the course of their brutal assault on Gaza. Is there a route through Donald Trump's legal troubles to the White House? What do we learn from these Epstein files and where the legal rot begin? Joe Biden's heckle put-downs, Boeing, Chris Christie is suspending his campaign. There's a lot to get through today on An Irishman in America, but there really is only one woman to help us through it, and that's Marion McKeown across the pond. Marion, how are you? I'm great, Jordan, and great to be back, and Happy New Year to all the gang out there. It's going to be a busy one. It is our first one of the year, and when you're a U.S. correspondent, I'd say there is no slow week to ease into the year. That just doesn't happen. Not this week. <laughs> uh, this, <laughs> this week. You know, you come out of the starting blocks when there's a primary season at just full gallop because it is relentless, and it's and this and the, the, this year's trip to Iowa. And God knows, I feel like I always live there. I feel like Ron DeSantis, and not in a good way. But is there a good way to feel like Ron DeSantis in my house? Uh, I've just been up no. there so many times in the last six, eight months. And uh, and now they've had these chaotic blizzards and everything was shut down. The candidates have to cancel all their gigs. Uh, the airlines were shut down. I had an Alaska flight that was cancelled. Uh, I can't say I was sorry because it was cancelled shortly after we found out there were holes in the doors. Uh, so <laughs> uh, it, it's been all go. It's been pretty hectic. So the civil fraud case that Donald Trump is in the midst of had a bomb threat today. Just uh, we're recording this on Thursday evening. Judge Engoron's home was was subject to a bomb threat. Is that correct? Is this is this actually fake news that I'm hearing? No, it's not at all, Charles. And you know what? I think it's also worth mentioning this in the context of a wave of what's been called swatting. Uh, so first of all, as regards Ju- Judge Engoron, there was a bomb threat to his home. It isn't the first threat he's received. He has protection as a result of being of presiding over Donald Trump's civil fraud trial. Now, think about that for a moment. This is America. You have judges, any, and this isn't just Judge Engoron, but the fact that in America, a judge who is presiding over a civil trial in a very fair, some would say mild manner, um, who's mm. being scrupulously objective, has been receiving death threats and bomb threats uh, to his home, as he said, including one uh, earlier today before he went to the courtroom for the final hearings. Uh, and But it's not just Judge Engron. To me, what's even more sinister with this wave of swatting is that on Christmas Day, Jack Smith, who, as we know, is the special counsel 
uh, for the big trial that's coming up against Donald Trump, which he's desperately trying to delay at the moment, and we'll talk about that, obviously, uh, in Washington, D.C. This is the one with the four criminal charges stemming mm. from his actions in and around and before January 6th. Now, a call was made to the police on Christmas Day saying Jack Smith had just shot his wife dead in his home. Now, this kind of call normally would send out a huge a sort of SWAT team, you know, of police heavily armed where they'll go in, they'll have the, you know, those big sort of things that they ram the doors with and all that. And so the reason it didn't happen was that he is guarded around the clock by US Marshals because, again, of the multiple threats against his life because he is prosecuting Donald Trump. So mm. the police, the marshals um, spoke to the police and said, this is a hoax. We're here. We're at the house. We're guarding him. Nothing happens. Everybody in the house is safe and well. On Sunday, just last Sunday, five days ago, six days ago, Tanya Chutkin, the judge who's presiding over this case, there was a similar call put in about his shooting at her home. And when the, the, the problems with this is, a, apart from the fact that they are designed to intimidate prosecutors and judges who are presiding over Trump's trials, is that you get a very heavy-handed response. So you suddenly get hundreds, not hundreds, but dozens of police swarming the scene. You can get SWAT teams where there are bombs or if there's a report of a hostage situation or a mass shooting, as in one or more people being injured within the home. And it's very, very easy for something to go wrong. We've seen so many cases where police are called out in emergency situations in America and they end up shooting the victim, the person who called them out, so it's it's a really fraught situation. It's going to leave anyone within the home ex in, you know, extremely frazzled and rattled and shocked and disturbed. But there's also the potential for something to go horribly wrong. Now, this there's been a wave of this, um, and uh, and it it has to be said as well that Marjorie Taylor Greene had a similar call last year to her home. There have been multiple calls to Steve Bannon's home in Washington D.C., the one near the Capitol. Uh, where it's been said there were gunshots heard inside. And it is designed to get the police there, to disrupt the people in their home, to force them to have to leave. Uh, you know, to, and, but to me, any of these are horrible and they should, I don't care who's doing them. If it's, if it, it, Marjorie Taylor Greene has a right to privacy and to enjoy the safety of her own home without intimidation. Uh, certainly trial judges, to me, the, the, the targeting of judges and legal personnel in, properly brought civil and criminal trials just because Donald Trump is is the defendant uh, is just shocking and it really mm -hmm. shows the degree to which norms in America have unraveled. I mean, yes. you do not yeah. expect this in America. And how difficult policing has become because... Yeah. Not only can something terrible happen, but also, I mean, how do you know which which what to take seriously? They've got to take things. They've got to take it seriously. It, no matter how, if there's only if, if you get a bomb threat, a call, an allegation of a mass shooting in someone's home, if you are a single shooting, even you've got to go there. You can't go. Ah, mm. that's probably the MAGA crowd. If, you, yeah. if you're in in the cop shop, you've got to go there. And but still, over over profile, time. Yeah. Over time, you would become a little bit fatigued by it. And there's every chance that should. Like, it's boy who cried wolf stuff. Judge Engoran's got a massive job ahead of him this week. As we speak right now, closing arguments are being heard. Trump basically wussed out of making closing comments. What's the story behind that? Well, the story behind that is I'm not sure so much that 
he wussed out because, of course, all last week he was going, I'm delivering my own closing arguments. This mm. is just, this is catnip for Trump. The fact that he can say all week, everybody tune in, listen to me, give my closing arguments. And then that he can go, oh, boo, the judge won't let me. Uh, now, Engron said, actually, yes, you can, but subject to the following conditions. You can only deal with the relevant facts. You can't introduce any alleged new evidence. You cannot use this to make a political speech or a campaign speech, and you can't use it to attack me or any of my staff. So this, this did not go down well with Trump. He decided, well, if that's the case, which was clearly his whole point in even mm. thinking about making a closing argument, that would be a headline-grabbing, you know, sort of soap opera, top-thumping address. And Engrid said, no, we're, we're just dealing with what's actually here. The fact that you're being accused of fraud, you're being accused of having inflated the value of your properties to the tune of $2.2 billion to get favorable loan terms. Uh, and then when, when, when it was made clear that Trump could only address the issues before the judge, he, it was like, why would he bother? You know, we'll leave that to the lawyers. If I can't <laughs> use this to my own end, you know, to make a campaign speech, to get more news coverage, to rile up my base, well, what's the point? You know, what's so he he decided so then he, that he wasn't going to bother. Yeah. So, I mean, there's very little point in us going through what could potentially be said, but what could potentially happen? What What are our options here in terms of uh, the ruling. I mean, it obviously won't be immediate. Would you say it'll be a few days or a week till we get Could a, a ruling? It could be one to two weeks, I think. There was a lot of evidence presented. But we have to remember that this judge, Arthur Engren, who has handled this case in the most, as I say, mild-mannered way possible, uh, he has already found, as a matter of fact, that Trump did overinflate the value of his properties. So the issue isn't whether or not Trump committed fraud. The issue is what's the penalty going to be now, the New York Attorney General, Letitia James, uh, she said that Trump made about $380 million as a result of all this shady dealing and, and exaggeration and profiting. That was the degree to which he benefited. So she wants him to pay that amount of money in fines. But also, there is a chance that Engron will say to Trump, you can never run a business in New York again. You're out, baby. You can do whatever you want down in Palm Beach if, if, if they're gullible enough down there to buy, a, to buy you know, a second-hand car from you. But you are not going to be able to run your companies in New York any longer. Now, I think at this stage, Trump is retired pretty well. He lives in Mar-a-Lago. Um, he's running for president. I think that the, the, obviously any big fine will hurt him. But I don't think that being told that he can't run a business in New York anymore is going to affect him that much because he, it would almost work to his benefit to be, look, see, see how I'm being persecuted. They've taken mm. my business. They've destroyed my name. They're trying to bankrupt me. So for his base, this is more evidence of how Donald Trump is a political martyr and that he is being made to suffer because he's protecting them from the deep state. And that's kind of exactly how he wants it to play out. Right. So that's the route. I mean, we do need to talk about, I think we should do a um, January status update on Biden versus Trump, oh, because in okay. the top of this show, we didn't even mention the fact that there was the damp squib debate of the week. I guess that's what you'd call it. Nikki Haley versus Ron DeSantis Wednesday night in Iowa. The battle for the runner up trophy or for the participation medal got a bit testy. Is that the best way to put it? it was certainly the most feisty thing they've done. 
Well, you know, Charlotte, I, I did laugh. And weirdly, I did think of you because I thought when Ron DeSantis was cracking his jokes, I thought, well, Charlotte's job is safe. Ron DeSantis <laughs> is going to be no threat to any stand-up comedian in the world. Oh, my God, it was cringe-inducing. You know what? It it was, I think, of the two, Nikki Haley came out looking better because there's no other person in the world I can think of who would come out looking worse than Ron DeSantis in a debate, you know, except maybe Donald Trump. Uh, so mm. it was they. It was kind of, it's such a sideshow because neither of them, they were both asked a question about Donald Trump's character and, you know, whether he was fit to be president or words to that effect. And they both just skipped around it and did this. DeSantis went, well, he didn't build the wall. He didn't hold Hillary accountable. You know, if we think Donald Trump has despotic tendencies, watch out for Ron DeSantis. Uh, and then he whined about that for a few minutes. And then Nikki Haley basically talked about China. But neither of them would address the issue. And neither of them will attack Trump because they are both still thinking if we attack Trump, any chance we have of peeling off any mm. Trump voters is is gone. And I suspect Nikki Haley is thinking any chance I have of being vice president will be gone. So not that I'm sure that's going to happen right. anyway. Well, well, that's fact. what the research says, right? That's what the research yeah. says. But like the research also must tell them that the chances of them actually getting the spot are slim to none. So at what point, I wanted to ask you this week, will either of them just, you know, kind of throw their papers in the air and go, you know what, you shouldn't pick this guy actually have a go at him, actually take a few swings. Will we ever see that point? No, we won't see that point because even it, they probably are both reckoning, even if we don't get 24, they both want to keep their powder dry for 28. Now, Nikki okay. Haley did strike one. She did draw blood on one thing, I thought. She said to Ron DeSantis, and you know, it's the question I think every reporter has been asking. She said, you spent 150 million on this campaign so far. What have you got to show for it? She blames other people. Leadership is about getting things done. If leadership's about getting things done, how did you blow through $150 million in your campaign and you were down in the polls? So here, you here's are the, not a manager. Governor DeSantis, it's Governor Haley's. Think of the money great question. that Ron DeSantis had spent in getting 6% of the vote in New Hampshire. He has lived in Iowa. He's freaking moved up there. I swear to God, you cannot cross the street in Iowa without running into him for the last 10 months or more, more than that. And he's got, well, he might have about 20% of the vote if he's lucky. But you do have to ask yourself, if he, can, if that's the best he can do in Iowa, which is 65% evangelical, which is deeply conservative, which is all over his topics, you know, his trans, his persecution of, like they're, they're in the tank for all of that stuff with him. And, and 150 million that he has spent, and that's all he can come up with. Jesus, yes. he's hardly a good bet. And then, of course, he, ref he hit back at her with the most, I would say, rehearsed joke, and it still didn't work. He said she's suffering, Nikita's suffering from ballistic podiatry. She shoots herself in the foot. And oh, <laughs> just go. Oh, Jesus. Lord. And then he does that weird grin where it looks like he's got a toothache or indigestion. And he, that kind of like, it's it's just cringe-inducing stuff. But look, DeSantis is out. He's out. Haley, Haley, I think, has, regardless of what happens in this campaign, she has done pretty well for herself because I think there is a scenario. Now, we get, Trump, of course, was on Fox doing his alternative universe thing. And again, with his uncanny knack, 
for basically piquing interest and grabbing the headlines. He said he's already picked his vice president. Now, if you are the nominee, which I know you expect to be, who would be in the running for a vice president? Well, I can't tell you that, really. I mean, I know who it's going to be. Give us a hint. I'll give you. We'll do another show sometime. Well, what about any of the people who you've run against? Would you be open to mending fences with oh, any sure, of them? Oh, sure, I will. I will. I've already started like Christy better. Uh, <laughs> now, we know that's probably nonsense. But look, he got the, he got the oh, my God, who is it? Who's it going to be? Um, and it's clearly, I think, it will more than likely be a woman. There are three candidates I see. Uh, which would be Elise Stefanik, who's the um, congresswoman who uh, went from being a moderate to to the right of Trump, who's very politically calculating. She was basically the woman uh, who led the... She's boasting about having two scalps now, Claudine Gay in Harvard and also Liz, Liz McGill from, from Penn University, because both of those heads of the universities, both presidents, were forced to resign in the aftermath of what was seen as them not being sufficiently strong in their anti-Semitism, in making statements about anti-Semitism. Mm. Um, so also Claudine Gay was was found to have plagiarized some articles in the aftermath of that, which you can't do as Harvard president, but basically she was run out of Harvard, as was McGill from Penn, in a way that was deeply unsavory and deeply worrying, but, but Stefanik has taken all the credit for that. Uh, so she would be in the running as, as a Trump running mate. So would Kirsty Nome, who we've spoken about before, the um, South the Dakota governor, who's a bit like Sarah Palin without the crazy, you know, or without as much crazy. And she looks like it. She would fit. She's interchangeable as a, as a Trump from Melania, from, you know, it's all the loads of makeup, the Botox, the long flowing hair. And, you know, as governor of a state like South Dakota, you have nothing to do, really. You know, so <laughs> she doesn't really have to do a whole lot up there. And then the other one would be Nikki Haley. Now, a lot of the Trump people, including Steve Bannon, are going to be, if she picks Nikki Haley, I'll, 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 well, pop they do. Susie Wiles is running Trump's campaign. She is a really tough, smart, veteran Republican. I would imagine that she would see Nikki Haley as a perfect compliment to Trump because he is 77. And if the old heart attack, you know, if the KFC heart attack finally lands, there will need to be somebody else who looks like they're ready to take over. To my mind, that ain't cursed, you know. You know, hunting and okay. shooting up in, in South Dakota uh, and being a former rodeo queen does not equip you to become president. So let's see where that lands. But I think Trump could refuse because he knows that Nikki Haley could very easily get too much attention on the campaign trail because she is new. I'm she literally is, about uh, to say this. Yeah, yeah. That, that I just don't know if he, he just wanted to share the work. Spotlight. Well, we know he doesn't work well with women. We know that uh, he doesn't like strong women. And, yeah. uh, you know, he will say he does, but I just don't see the two of them being able to, you know, smile at each other. <laughs> I, mean, well, I just can't know, see she, that in she my mind. Left his, she was the only person who left his cabinet with basically a farewell party from Donald Trump. She was no brought way. into the White House, into the Oval Office, and the two of them sat side by side, and he said, she was fantastic. I'm so sorry to lose you, Nikki, and if you ever want to come back and meet my cabinet again, you are more than welcome. Now, that's the footage. That's the footage that she can use, and that's she played her role in the UN very, very skillfully, and she was butting horns with Mike Pompeo, who is a thug and a bully all the way, mm. but she still managed to sort of slide around him and ingratiate herself with Trump. 
directly. So she is a very skillful player. I think she's got no substance. I mean, I think she'll say what you want her to hear, but she's nimble at sidestepping. She didn't do it with the slavery question, but generally speaking, she's quite nimble at, sides, at sidestepping the sort of minds that every political campaign is littered with. And uh, okay, so well, I, I think that, you, you know, Trump didn't want Mike Pence. Let's not forget that he did not want Mike Pence at all. And I mean, um, he's an and, action hero. That guy, yeah, you know, he put his yeah, life on and, the line. <laughs> and, but, <laughs> but he took him because he wanted the evangelicals. So, you know. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some nimble footwork this week, which has to be yeah. kind of stunt of the week. And that's Hunter Biden's surprise appearance at a House hearing on Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, this was a closely held secret and set mm -hmm. up by his team to show he's willing to publicly testify yeah. before Congress. And I guess to, you know, stick it up the Republicans. <laughs> he, he really did. Yeah. I mean, could this have worked out any better for Hunter? Well, Hunter is now, as we speak, on his way to a criminal tax case in, in California. So he's got that trial coming up. I think, in a way, if you, we're looking at it from a perspective of, yes, objectively, this was kind of smart. He kind of got them on the hop a little bit. He is making the case pretty persuasively because there's so much evidence that all of this is political, all of it. Mm -hmm. And all of this is designed to, to, I think there's a Hunter Biden has wrestled with addiction for decades and decades, and he really suffered and was in the throes of it. The guy's a bit of a jerk, anyway. I have to say it. You know, objectively, he's 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 a guy who has done some pretty cringy things that cannot just be excused by his addiction problems. But there seems to be a thing that he's been put under so much pressure and so much sustained pressure and all the attacks and all these cases that he is a fragile person. And I've heard several Republicans at several events joke that they're going to get him back on whatever he, and that that will derail the Biden campaign. And you cannot rule out that there is that thing that his family must be worried sick every day, including Joe and Jill Biden, that, oh my God, is this pressure going to get too much? Is he going to be able to withstand this? So now, as I said, he he did make his appearance on the Hill, but nobody it, it, it won't change any minds. The thing is, with, with all of these things, you have to ask, is this going to change any minds? No, because Democrats already think that he's just a political football for, for the MAGA crowd up on the Hill. And no, because all of the MAGA people think that he is a crook and that he, you know, just he and his father were up to their neck in corruption. And, you know, he was taking money from China and giving Joe a kickback. So no minds are going to be changed. Now, in his court case in California today, he's the, his lawyers are going to ask the judge to dismiss it. And there really are good grounds for that because all of he didn't he wasn't trying to evade taxes. He neglected his taxes for about two years in, I think it was 2018, 1920, around then, because he was deeply addicted to drugs then. Then he got mm. treatment and he became sober and he took care of business. So I think that if you look at Rudy Giuliani, he owes years and years of taxes that he hasn't paid at all. Nobody has in, initiated a criminal prosecution against him. And generally speaking, and this really is true, if you haven't paid your taxes, if you're negligent or slow, and then you pay them, all you do is you pay the fine. You don't get taken to court. You don't get criminally prosecuted unless you have deliberately tried to evade taxes. And there's no evidence of that. So, yes, this is a trumped up criminal case. And I think that the judge would be wise in dismissing it. But, of course, 
judges are human like everybody else. And any judge is going to think, oh, my God, is this going to look like I'm being political? Is this going to look like, you know, so I think that on the basis of the law alone, there's no merit to this case. But we'll yeah. see where it goes. I mean, he, Republicans really struggled to answer why they didn't allow Hunter to testify on yeah. Wednesday. That was the most fun part of it. Yeah, right? it was watching. watching. <laughs> it was really <laughs> enjoyable. But um, at the same time, uh, where where does it go? And what? Well, I had the question I wanted to ask you was, this was a surprise. There's very few surprises in politics. It's a bit like Vegas. You know, the bookies generally know. How yeah. hard is it to keep a secret like this? I don't, you know, it's tricky. I'm not buying, like, you know, I'm really not buying that that the White House didn't know about this, that they were yeah, surprised. They're saying, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm really you don't buy that. that they were kept in the dark about that. You know, we know that Joe Biden talks to Hunter Biden because he tells us like every day, sometimes a couple of times a day. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that, you know, if he's going, so son, what are you doing this afternoon? Or what are you doing this morning? Or what's your day looking like? That he isn't going to go, well, actually, dad, I'm going up to the hill. I'm going to give them what for. I mean, <laughs> it, yeah. it just doesn't seem yeah. likely that, that the White House would have been kept in the dark. I, whether they would have wanted him to go up or not, I don't know. But, you know, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm skeptical. Mm. Well, we've got an awful lot more to get through. I need to give a couple of shout outs to a couple of things that are going to be happening in the next while. Today just went on sale a big charity comedy gala fundraiser that I'm going to be doing in the London Irish Centre on March 7th with Joe Wilkinson, Vittorio Angeloni, Abandaman and the viral sketch sensation Just These Please. That's on in the London Irish Centre on March 7th. Now, there's a limited number of tickets for this. So I'll put the link in the bio here. If you're a London listener, give it a click because this is an aid of the London Irish Centre and Kidney Care UK, two brilliant charities that do an awful lot for people that have been just a big part of my life over the last seven years. And it's time to give back. Come along, do your thing. There'll be a huge raffle. So you always have to have the raffle uh, on the night. And uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a biscuits. lovely night. Is, is be it a going box to be of biscuits a, a, and a gigantic Easter egg. That's uh, that's what we're going to have on offer, among other things. And there'll obviously be some surprise guests on the night. It's at the London Irish Centre on the 7th of March. Tickets on sale today at 10 a.m. So at the same time as this episode goes live. And a quick shout to uh, anyone looking to get tickets for the Olympia for next week. They are all gone, but there are a couple being resold on Ticketmaster Four nights of the Olympia, 18th, 19th, 20th and 21st. So you will be able to find a couple of spares spinning around the place if you fancy coming down. Now, Marion, let's get back to business here. Chris Christie walked away this week. Yeah. I mean, we, we knew it was coming, but yeah. um, I feel like it was still still kind of sad because he's been great value for money while he's been out there. Yeah, I yes and no. I'm not sure I agree with that. I think he's been a little bit of a lonely sideshow. I don't think he's been nearly as effective as he thought he would be in, you know, basically in getting under Trump's skin and in really making the case about how Trump is so unfit. I think in debates he has 
not distinguished himself. And he's a pretty, he used to be a pretty skillful, quick on his feet debater. He's a former prosecutor, you know, a former governor. He's used to it. But to me, he never really nailed it in going after Trump. Mm. And I know it's like nailing jelly to a wall. And that's not a reference to Trump's weight, by the way. But, you know, it's, it's, he, it, it, but Trump is so slippery, but I don't think he ever was that effective. Now, he was running. Of course, the big question is how will this affect New Hampshire, because the only place Christie had game, had skin on the ground and had a, an infrastructure was in New Hampshire, which is coming up on January 23rd. So we have Iowa on Monday, of course, uh, but Iowa, well, we can get to that. And uh, New Hampshire is the race where things change, where surprises happen. New Hampshire was what launched Bill Clinton. It's what launches a lot of candidates where people go, whoa, maybe this guy's worth a look or maybe this woman is worth a look. At the moment, the polls are showing Trump is, is at about 40% in New Hampshire. Nikki Haley is at about 30, 31% and Ron is at about 6%. Okay, so they're the contenders. Now, Chris Christie was polling at about 12% because there are a lot of independents in New Hampshire and New Hampshire is one of the primaries where independents can vote. Not all um, Republican primaries are open. So you don't have to be a registered Republican to vote in the Republican primary in New Hampshire, which allows even Democrats, if they feel so minded, you know, to, to go along, switch to independent and throw in a vote. Uh, so there is a distinct possibility that if Nikki Haley inherits Chris Christie's 12%, all of it, if there's a straight transfer, then she should beat Trump in New Hampshire which would really throw the feathers up in the air and have everybody going, oh, holy God, what's going on here? But Chris Christie, because he is quite a mean-spirited guy, he's a bully in his own right. The fact that he decided to take Trump on doesn't make him intrinsically less of a bully than he has been. So he was caught on an alleged hot mic. Again, deep skepticism here that he didn't want it heard, where he's saying, Oh, Haley isn't up to it. You know, Haley isn't up to it and blah, blah, blah. And she spent 60 million or whatever. And, and Ron DeSantis called him and was petrified. So his parting shot, if you like, was to ding Nikki Haley, the two other also rands, to ding the two also rands rather than helping them or rather than helping Haley or even saying, look, I'm pulling out because I really want there to be a serious challenge to Trump and Nikki Haley is the best person to do it. But well, he, but you, you just he, don't buy that the mic, that he didn't know the mic was live. You know, there, there, generally, <laughs> everybody knows about hot mics at this stage yeah. in the game. Yeah. You know, if you're a problem you, hot mic, now you're the microphone near you. you. You don't talk. If you're a politician, you yeah. don't talk yeah. until you're absolutely sure. Yeah. Um, we've an awful lot more to get through, Marianne, as always. Wayne Lapierre steps down as yes. he and other former NRA officials stand accused of misappropriating millions to bankroll opulent lifestyles that included private jets, luxury vacations and expensive dining. I'm going to talk to Marion about that, about the Epstein files and the sex tapes, the the discussion of sex tapes this week, which I can't make head nor tail of. And as I said, we're going to give a little bit of a status update of where exactly are we with Biden versus Trump? Like We know there's going to be the two candidates. Let's get a status update from Marion as to where we stand right now on January 12th, 2024. 
the year of the election. You'll want to be part of this podcast. You'll need to be enrolled with premium Irishman abroad. Just go over to patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad. Sign up, no obligation. Cancel anytime you like and come with us on the journey to the US presidential election for 2024. Ready? You have the cameras rolling? This is America. A lot of people who would probably consider themselves liberal have done very well financially under the Donald Trump four years. You encouraged espionage against our people. You condemn any interference by Russia in the American election. By Russia or anybody else. Russia, please, if you can, get us Hillary Clinton's emails. Please, Russia, please. To renew America, we must revitalize our democracy.